You're listening to episode number 71 of The Green Elephant in the Room. This is your host, Eco Rico, and today we're talking about climate deadlines. So, are climate deadlines a good idea or not? The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or the IPCC, is the scientific group assembled by the United Nations to monitor and assess all global science related to climate change. The IPCC's report earlier this year on mitigating climate change came with an all too predictable warning. It said, humanity is recklessly burning through its carbon budget and needs to start dramatically reducing greenhouse gas emissions by 2025 to limit warming to 1.5 C. The media reporting took a familiar tone. Here's one headline. IPCC scientists say it's now or never to limit warming. Earth hurtling toward dangerous temperature limit. Slash emissions now and the world can avoid the worst effects. Other younger activists like Greta Thunberg and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have embraced sometimes apocalyptic climate deadlines too. So, are there just seven or 10 or 12 years to save the world from climate catastrophe? There are not. It's already here and gaining strength every day as carbon emissions pour into the atmosphere. It's a slow motion disaster. Action to avert the worst should have started last week, last year, last decade. This is not a message of despair though, but one of measured hope. The gap between the action we could take to reduce global heating and the action we are actually taking can be measured by a brutally simple metric, human suffering. That means every action that closes that gap, however small, is meaningful. The thought of setting deadlines has infuriated many, including climate scientists and activists. After all, scores of people around the world are devoting their lives to preventing possible catastrophe. Admitting that it may be unavoidable seems fatalistic at best and obstructionist at worst. This isn't the scientific reality. Tipping points are notoriously hard to predict, and there are deep fundamental uncertainties in any assessment of large-scale dynamic changes in the climate. This does tap into the broader question about the place of apocalyptic rhetoric in today's climate conversation. The climate and ecological changes the planet is suffering through is complex. With the impacts we are already experiencing, it's not inconceivable that people would seize on the idea that we are close to a point of no return. Apocalyptic thinking does make it seem like climate change is all or nothing. Either we fix it or we're done. And it can and has motivated extraordinary action. As long as humans have been alive, we've been thinking about the end of times, a day of reckoning, Judgment Day. Doomsday deadlines can foster a kind of heroic hope 
The idea that if we only fight hard enough against climate change, we will win. But according to research, heroic hope comes with downsides, including offering ammunition for climate skeptics to disregard these warnings of the apocalypse as alarmist. Seeing how this whole ecological mess is escalating, missing a climate deadline means that we will likely see more severe damages, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there will be a catastrophe. So our essential question is, are doomsday clocks the best way to motivate people and politicians to tackle climate change? Or are there more effective strategies? On the positive side, deadlines do focus efforts. They convert temperature rises and atmospheric carbon budgets into a value that we all understand. Time. You see, the thing about history, it does not end. The future is not preordained and it is never too late to do the right thing. The other side of the deadline coin is there's a risk that broken promises lead to a damaging cycle of hope followed by disappointment and for some despair. Despair can play into the hands of those who oppose climate action such as some producers of fossil fuels or the radical right. So does it help to set new deadlines hoping to galvanize action when so many have fallen short since governments first adopted a climate action treaty at a summit in Brazil in 1992, some three decades ago. Most experts say deadlines are vital. The problem is getting governments to stick to them. The key stumbling block is that climate change is not among the top priorities for governments in rich nations where politicians often focus on shorter-term economic problems such as wages, inflation, or soaring energy prices linked to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Of the five issues for a prime minister or a president, climate change is still not up there. Until it is, we won't solve it. A recent study involving more than 1,000 online participants found that using deadlineism in climate change related public messaging led to a greater acknowledgement of the severity of the impending threat. This in turn translates into greater support for making climate change related action a priority for governments. The study also noted it's also increased the sense of collective and individual response in addressing global warming. This really does sum up the core of the climate crisis, how to get people to care. With this strategy, the researchers found participants exposed to deadline messaging felt a greater sense that they can do something about it, be it individually or collectively. And the ultimate goal is not so much to get people to care about it, but to do something about it. We won't lie to you, to achieve climate goals is difficult, very difficult. There is no end to it that we can see. However, we cannot delude ourselves. It is never too late to do as much as we can. Every fraction of a degree matters. There are no magical dates for saving the world. There's no guarantee of success. 
but not trying is a guarantee of failure. Let's examine the pros and cons of climate deadlines. First, the argument that deadlines get results. Humans seem hardwired to hit deadlines. There's even a psychological principle that proclaims we generally achieve very little unless we're facing some time or other pressure. Think of an exam or a test when you were in school. Second, climate science is no exception. A climate researcher conducted a fascinating study. She recruited a thousand people and had them read two climate change news stories one with a stark deadline and the other offering a continual process for climate mitigation over a longer period. The group given the deadline story supported more political action to tackle climate change. And finally for the pro side of deadlines, the IPCC has baked in deadlines for the reasons just mentioned. After years of climate policy and communication, milestones and annual targets now form the bedrock of almost all climate science. It's hard to imagine an IPCC report without deadlines. Now let's look at the side that thinks deadlineism is counterproductive. First up, evolution does not have deadlines. For better or worse, historically, societies have muddled through their problems with incremental changes and make many missteps along the way. In a climate context, having too many deadlines can hamper creative course corrections. Number two, a confusion of clocks. The latest IPCC report gives 2025 as a hard deadline to get emissions under control. Concordia University's climate clock suggests that we have at least 10 years to stay within 1.5 C of warming. While the carbon clock at the Mercator Research Institute on Climate Change still has a quarter of a century left to run. Deadline confusion and fatigue make taking effective and coordinated action harder. Number three, deadlines breed Hail Mary policies. Deadlineism is self-defeating. A climate professor at the University of Cambridge makes a good case that deadlineism is ineffectual and self-defeating. Setting a tight deadline could encourage politicians to shift the goalposts or to consider controversial policies like solar engineering. And finally, number four, deadlineism is an illusionary cliff edge. What happens if the world misses, say, the IPCC's 2025 deadline and doesn't suffer a climate catastrophe immediately? This will undermine the credibility of climate science. Rather than a one-off issue to be solved by a deadline, climate change is a wicked social problem that must be resolved and renegotiated over and over again. So, what's our opinion on all this? We take a practical approach. We believe the use of timelines or countdown clocks are not as useful as we might think. We feel that the countdown clocks give us the false impression that we can wait 8 years or 10 years or any other time than right now to take action. It makes us think that we can afford to wait a little longer when the reality is that these timelines require us to start immediately. 
They require drastic and urgent action right now. This work cannot wait. It's human nature to delay, to put off, wait until tomorrow. There's an entire field of study to the psychology of procrastination or why people put off important tasks until the last minute. The fact is, climate procrastination has put the planet at peril. We have to learn from the problems that our procrastination has caused. Had we started cutting emissions in 2010, in line with the recommendations of the first IPCC report, we would have been looking at a more manageable task. We would have needed cuts of just over 3% a year to keep at 1.5 Celsius. As it is now, mathematically, we need 7% per year to reach that goal. Our emissions hole has grown much deeper. It's still possible to reach the 1.5 C target, but we should not sugarcoat the message or downplay the size of the task. Nations have to deliver over five times the emission cuts already promised in their Paris commitments. To sum up, here's an analogy we can all relate to as to why we are ignoring unarguably the greatest threat that we have ever faced. Thinking about apocalypse, like thinking about one's own death, is not something that most of us have much enthusiasm for, and so we don't. We all know that we will die sooner or later. In the meantime, there's a life to live, obligations to fulfill, friends and family to love, and a future to plan. And so we get on with our lives, even with the knowledge that will all ultimately come to an end. But it is also the case that the benefits of cutting emissions today will not begin to have an impact on the climate for many decades. More than likely, instead of Armageddon, the impacts that climate change will almost certainly bring, a hotter and drier climate, worsening air quality, and more intense natural disasters that we may become increasingly adept at weathering. But that will almost certainly create ample misery and discomfort. Most of us, even those living in far more difficult circumstances than we do, deeply love much about our lives, our communities, and the places where we live. For these reasons, instead of focusing on efforts to adapt to climate change, for example, things like developing drought-resistant crops, building coastal walls, and retrofitting buildings, it might be useful to shift the focus of the climate discussion toward all that we have at stake in the here and now, and not toward some remote and abstract future that is difficult to envision and unpleasant to think about. We must go where our heart leads us. So, what is the solution? The same as it's always been. When I was 20, the year of the first Earth Day, the only activism I understood was that of raising awareness and changing my consumption habits. 
For many of us, that's all we were told to do. We wanted to believe that it will be enough. All I knew of the crisis was that it would ultimately lead to our destruction. So we upped our game, going vegan, boycotting fast fashion, stepping up our recycling. At the time, I made what I thought were radical lifestyle choices. But I still didn't feel much hope. If anything, the more I focused on these choices and their limiting impact, the more acutely aware I was of the enormity of the crisis. Then I became an activist. By going beyond solitary, individualized lifestyle changes, I saw the incredible transformation that comes from building community power. By building this capacity, we can see that settling for just making better choices within a harmful system is not enough. It is only when we come together that we can transform the system itself. Here is the solution to our global environmental problems. I am certain the most important thing people can do is come together to form movements or join existing groups that can push for changes big enough to matter. From citywide renewable energy programs to large-scale disinvestment from fossil fuels. From getting out the green vote to hosting a climate action group. From volunteering to donating to planting a garden with your children to getting your degree in sustainability. To this point, the Green Elephant has created a valuable resource we named A Call to Act. It's a comprehensive eco-index where you will discover hundreds of eco-organizations, eco-activities, and eco-actions you can take today. Just looking at a call to act is an inspiration when you see the number of groups and creative actions available to all. We have put a link in the show notes for a call to act.